Our first reading comes from 2 Timothy, Timothy, verses 1 through 5. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with your joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Hey, and thank you, Jeff, uh, for reading uh, scripture to us today and being our host. Well, uh, hello, everybody. Uh, it is great to be with you. I'm looking out here at the crowd, and I'm wondering, who is the oldest person here? Uh, someone just pointed at his wife. I don't think that was very nice. <laughs> All right. Do we have anybody in their um, 80s here in this room at the time? We had two women in their 90s at the first service. Anybody here in their 80s? I don't see any hands going up. All right, if you are 75 or more, raise your hand. All right, we've got, and um, so I'm going to just count this up here, 76, 77, 78, 79. All right, Walt, you get the prize here today. 79, and uh, I'm also looking out and I'm wondering who is the youngest person in the room right now? So um, how many, are there, are there any five-year-olds? Not talking about your mental age, right? <laughs> Six-year-olds. Seven? We have a seven-year-old. All right, very good. Deb, that must be your grandson. Yeah, very good. All right. What's his name? Miles. So good to have you with us today. So 7 to 79 here, right in this room. Um, you know, as the song says, we are the church together. Let's pray. God, our Father, what a great thing that we are never too old or too young for you. And Jesus, we remember how the Bible says when you were an infant, you were held and blessed by an aging man named Simeon. And then, Jesus, when you were an adult, parents brought their small children to you and you, you held them in your arms and you blessed them. Lord, we want to be your people like that. We want to be the kind of church where one generation blesses another. And we, we want that for our families, too, that we can be the kind where one generation blesses another. So, Lord, uh, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of you may, be, uh, may remember that right after Easter, I did a six-week series called Craving community. Anybody remember that? Not really, huh? No, a few of you do, actually. Uh, anyway, uh, 
I'm going to invite up a couple of people now, Marcia Gerard and Amy Zeller. Uh, we did a, we started a couple of groups just for that series, lasted six weeks, oops, and uh, one of them uh, had Marcia and Amy uh, at it, and uh, so, uh, and then there were 14 people in our group, and so we said, well, that's kind of big for a large, you know, most of the discussion, so we divide up into two smaller groups of seven part of the time, and they were even in that smaller one together, and um, so anyway, welcome. Thank you for, for doing this here with us today. Uh, uh, Marcia, tell us a little about, about, about you. Kind of introduce yourself to the group. Hi, I'm Marcia Gerard, and my brother David uh, plays organ in the first service, and my mom and David and I started coming here in 2015, and I'm originally from Newton, Iowa, which is east of Des Moines, about a half an hour. The original Maytag company was headquartered there, and so that's my home state. Yeah. And so uh, did you ever meet the original Maytag repairman there in Newton? <laughs> uh, no, but I met actually one of the original Maytag family members. Okay, very so, good, yeah. yeah. And uh, what about you, Amy? Sure. Uh, my name is Amy Zeller. I started attending Faith Westwood in 2018. It was three years ago. I moved to Omaha. I'm originally from South Dakota, and I was going to school and working at UNO. Um, my first day of service at Faith Westwood was actually outside the walls, so <laughs> I think I knew right away that this was a different kind of church, and I haven't uh, you know, stopped coming since that day. And yeah, that was big. we do have that happen sometimes. People walk in that very first Sunday thinking it's going to be like this, and we're just scattered everywhere. It seems like chaos to them, and, but uh, usually they'll come back. So, yeah. A good chaos. Yeah, that's good <laughs> chaos. So anyway, um, my question for you both is, you know, being in, in this group that we had that was very multi-generational, and then even in the smaller group that you were both in, how, how did your experience with all of that, was it, how was it an encourager to you as a follower of Jesus? Yeah, um, well, I decided to join this small group. It was kind of my reintroduction to um, in-person services at the time, and so I saw it as an opportunity just to get reacclimated to everyone and reintroduced and meet new people. Um, Marsha attends the first service, so I didn't previously know um, Marsha before that, but, uh, you know, as we got started, it, it definitely became um, such a valued part of my, my week for while it lasted. Um, we had perfect attendance in our small group, too. You we did. To all 14 that. of us, <laughs> all six weeks. We had, yeah, one more there. So. Yeah. There's um, a few members um, in the pews over here, too. And, yeah, I just came to, you know, see everyone in the group as, you know, mentors for me. Uh, it was so encouraging to just hear support from them and learn from them and uh, be reminded that, you know, we're all at different points in our faith journeys and all of that is accepted and okay. And we got to reflect on what's happening um, in our work lives and our family lives and kind of share that with one another. And it was just a very supportive environment. And now I know people in the church that you can go to for support or questions. And yeah. I would be reaching out. So, Amy, anything specific that sort of landed with you and stuck? during that time? Yeah, um, Marsha especially gave uh, some practical advice for how to um, integrate helpful, uh, you know, practices into your day-to-day. -day. So one of them was keeping a, 
prayer request journal. And so Marcia shared that she, when she receives requests, she writes it in her journal and who it's from. And then it's a way for her to go back and when those requests are answered that she follows up and kind of celebrates those wins too. So that's something I've added to my journal as well. Yeah. You know, and Marcia, you shared one of those with me today. Something you, somebody you'd been praying for and all, and, and then what an answer had come out of that, you know. So, Marcia, what about you? What, what came to you through that time? Well, it was an, a tremendous um, six weeks. And the, uh, there were two things that stand out in my mind. The first one was a family who's with us this morning in our service that came to our church. It's not only multi-generational, but they're cross-cultural. They originated from India, and they found their way here to Faith Westwood via the internet and joined our small group, that craving community group. They were such a, a wonderful couple, and it was neat to hear them share their faith about the Lord and it brought to my mind that across the globe, Jesus is reaching people, even when we don't even know it. And here they went, they came to our community to worship. I found that very encouraging. And the second thing was Amy and other people in our group that shared their hearts. There was a common thread throughout our entire six weeks as we shared our hearts. Everybody had been through some difficulties, but everybody leaned on the word and each other to share how the Lord had worked through those difficulties. And Amy shared her passion with us about her mission heart. She has a servant's heart, and that's what I am so encouraged by with our younger people here in the church. They have a desire to serve the Lord, and she's working in North Omaha with a organization called No More Empty Pots, and it's about a nutritional food source company who not only provides the food, but the education and training facilities to help people throughout their entire family, no matter what age or what culture they're in. And then she had the, uh, the willingness to let us go up and do a tour of where she works, and we got to meet the organization's uh, beginner and founder a wonderful woman who shared her heart with us. Our outreach as a church is throughout this community of Omaha and the greater community. And thanks to people like Amy's, we had two Amy's in our group, and everybody that was in the group, old and young alike, shared their heart. And that's what encouraged me about their faith walk was consistent. It yeah. was just great. All right. Thank you both for sharing. Appreciate yes. it. Uh, it, was a, it was a remarkable time that we had, and then, you know, we had this field trip in July where we went to visit Amy's workplace there, that No More Empty Pots uh, food mission. Uh, today is week three in our five Sunday series called Love My Church, and uh, we've been diving into Faith Westwood's five values. We are relational, practical, generational, missional, and invitational. You know, uh, before the pandemic, one of our church goals was to have 60 people that one year. That might have been 2018 or 19. 60 people become new partners at Faith Westwood. Well, the pandemic kind of blew that out of the water, you know. And, and, uh, 
And, you know, I don't even really know what to set the goal at now or even if we should, but I do know this. We must not abandon our values to meet our goals. I think that's like an axiom for life. We do not abandon our values to meet our goals. You know, we could go door to door and say, uh, we're here today getting uh, new members for our church. Would you like to be one? Just sign right here. And if we took fresh baked cookies, I think we could get 60 people by the end of the afternoon. Don't you? But it wouldn't mean anything. Wouldn't mean anything to them. Wouldn't mean anything to the church. We must stay true to who we are. We must stay true to our values. Two weeks ago, we looked at the value of being relational. Last Sunday, we looked at the value of being practical. Today, we dive into the value of being generational. Well, what does that mean? What's the definition for generational for us? So I'll put it up on the screen. Here it is. Let's say it together, okay? We bring children, students, and adults together as we follow Jesus. Simple. And just so you know, the way we talk about it here, we kind of have children's ministry, student ministry. Children is uh, from infant up to fifth grade, and then uh, students are sixth grade on up. Now, I have been in churches, I have served churches, where pretty much everyone in, in the worship center uh, was my parents' age. They're in their 80s. I've been in churches where the vast majority of the people were my kids' age, in their 30s. But to me, the healthiest churches are the ones that have people spread across the spectrum. Uh, when, my, when I was a kid, my home church was like that. Uh, it was a little church in the country made up mostly of farm families. And uh, matter of fact, my grandparents went to the same church. And they had their own Sunday school class, which met in the sanctuary. And that way, their seat was saved for them for worship. <laughs> Smart, right? Uh, and, you know, I, as I looked around, most of the kids had parents and grandparents there as well. Maybe a few of them even had great-grandparents. And, and whether or not the, the generations are from the same family, God has always been doing this, bringing people of generations together. One of my favorite lines, uh, one of my favorite psalms in the Bible is uh, Psalm 145. And verse 4 speaks of the generations. Um, here it is. Let's say it together. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. This past week, I had a birthday. I'm officially old. <laughs> According to the federal government, I've reached the age of uh, predictable decline and inevitable deterioration. <laughs> and I have a new insurance card to prove it. But despite my feeble state, I still believe that I have something to offer to younger people. And they still have something to offer to me. Sometimes one of the kids in church, while, while worship is going on, they will, they will color or draw me a picture and then give it to me after worship. And here's one that I received six months ago. Can we put it up there? There we go. From then third grader, uh, Colin Heffelfinger, who's right over here, and uh, 
Anyway, so you see there, there's the front of the worship center with the cross and the altar and the pulpit, and then you see the, the blessed banner, green ba- blessed banners on either side, and then the, the drums and the guitar and the keyboard and a microphone, and, and on the top, you may not be able to read all that, but it's just, it was the heart of the message that Sunday. It says, don't count anyone out. He was listening. Isn't that awesome? You know, I, I showed it to the next staff on Tuesday morning at staff meeting. And it made my day. Thanks, Colin. You know, in two weeks, we have our Outside the Walls Sunday. And uh, on that Sunday, we will not be having worship uh, at the regular time. We're not going to be having worship here at 1045. We will have a short rally at 9 o'clock here in the worship center. And then we're going to scatter off into our various serving projects. Some will be here in the building. Some will be in other places. If you have kids with you that day, you can bring them to nearly any of the projects. But I want you to know that two of them will especially be kid-friendly. For example, in our gym, the other end of the building, uh, kids of all ages and their parents can put together birthday bags for our pantry patrons. Isn't that a great idea? And so, you know, bring your kids, do that together, and then they're also going to be kind of a play area for the little ones, you know, that need to run and get their energy out and do all that too. Uh, and then also in our student ministry room, which is the other end of the building but upstairs, uh, the elementary age kids might enjoy making paracord bracelets. Now, this is a new thing for me. I didn't really know what they are. Um, but, uh, and, and, and the kids that do this are probably going to need help from a parent as well. But uh, these paracord bracelets will be gifts for military personnel. The bracelets can be uh, pulled apart quickly, providing seven and a half feet of high-strength cord for an emergency situation. You know, I watched the video on how they make these, and um, they're really not too difficult. You gotta tie a few knots, and, but explains that all how. And, um, and but then there, we're also gonna have, you know, cards and, and uh, coloring sheets and washable markers for the kids, kind of for extra things that they can do. But our goal is to not just have things for the adults, but to bring all of the generations together, to have opportunities for everybody to serve. I'm going to ask you now to grab your Bible in front of you, if you or if you brought your own, that's great, and, and the Pew Bible. Uh, we're all going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, verse 2, in the Pew Bible on page 1197. Uh, Today we're going to be looking at a young man in the Bible named Timothy uh, and how his faith was shaped by the generations around him. Anybody here named Timothy? No Timothys today? I have a brother named Timothy. Uh, In the Greek, that name Timothy is pronounced Timotheus, and it means honoring God. So that's the meaning of that name. Now, Timothy had a Jewish mother who became a Jesus follower. Timothy's father was not Jewish and apparently did not become a Christian. Scholars suspect that Timothy's father may have died or uh, had left the family when Timothy was a small boy. In verse 1, Paul identifies himself. He's the sender of the letter. Verse 2 addresses the letter to Timothy, and Paul calls him, Timothy, my dear son. You see that? Timothy, my dear son. Five times in his epistles, 
Paul uses the word son to describe Timothy. Now, Paul was always single, never married, never had kids, but it's like Timothy was the son Paul never had. And Paul was a father figure for Timothy. In verse 5, Paul talks about Timothy's Jewish upbringing. He said, I am reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. This verse kind of makes me think of a family photo. Okay, young man, let's put you in the middle, and let's see, Mom, uh, Eunice here, Lois on the other side. You can each take his arm, and all right, everybody smile. And when Paul brings the message of Jesus to, this, to, this, to their hometown, all, all three of them, they just embrace the message of Jesus. And, and then Timothy joins Paul's missionary team. Now, uh, turn with me. We're going to flip the page to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. And, uh, and on page 1199 of the Pew Bible, it's in the left column, middle of the paragraph. Okay. Paul says more about Timothy's upbringing in the faith. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Timothy's upbringing in the Jewish faith started from the cradle Mom and grandma's daily conversations were sprinkled with scriptures, and I can just picture them, you know, gathered around the fire doing their knitting or stitching or whatever they're doing, and they're singing psalms from the Bible. And I can imagine them telling, you know, little Timothy uh, about bedtime stories of, in the Bible from, from Moses and Ruth and King David. And I am sure that they knew the prophecy in Isaiah 53 about the suffering servant. It says, he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, bearing the sin of many. And after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. And when they hear the gospel about Jesus' death and resurrection... Timothy and Eunice and Lois believe that Isaiah 53 is talking about Jesus. He's the Messiah, the Savior, the King of a new kingdom. So years later, Timothy's more, a little more grown up. He's still a young leader, though, in the church. He'd been assigned to, uh, uh, take, you know, kind of guide the people of uh, Jesus' people uh, in uh, the major city of Ephesus. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, he offers his young protege some encouragement. And this, I'll put it up on the screen, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now, how is young Timothy supposed to do that? How is he supposed to not let anybody look down on him well set the bar high for yourself be set an example be a model follower of Jesus now how is 
you know, I've been a young pastor before. It's not easy. How are you supposed to handle it with, you know, people who are your parents' and grandparents' age and, and younger people? How are you supposed to manage all that? Well, here's what Paul says. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your, own, he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. You know, between the lines, I, I hear Paul telling Timothy to treat them with respect. Show them honor. Love them as your family. You know, it brings great joy to my heart. You, a lot of times throughout the year here at Faith Westwood, whether it's BBS or the pantry or outside the walls, when I see people of all ages serving together. Because what I know is that Christian young people don't become Christian adults just by hanging out with their peers. Right? They, they have to hang around Christian adults. And... Uh, you know, and on the flip side, you young people, you don't have to wait another decade or two to become a leader. You can be a leader right now, and some of you already are. Well, today I want to end with two qualities that I think are important in a generational church. Here's the first one. A generational church puts a priority on children and students. You know, for decades, this church had a high school youth choir called um, Soul Seekers. And, uh, you know, some of you here today were in Soul Seekers. You were singers in it. And some of you were adult sponsors in Soul Seekers. Um, and, and then they would sing during the year and practice. And then every summer, they'd go for a week-long tour. Uh, plenty of you remember times when that old bus broke down and... You were praying, and God was answering, and somehow the tour went on. God provided a way. Now, sadly, we don't have soul seekers anymore. You know, but that happens. You know, ministries come and go in the life of a church. But the value is what remains. The value is what you have to keep going. You know, we, we always have to, to put a priority on children and students. Why? Because they can't do it for themselves. We have to make them a priority. You know, it's like a gardener who has to put a priority on, gar on, on planting. Because if they don't, they won't have a garden. A generational church puts a priority on children and students. Next, a generational church blends all ages in worship together. You know, one thing I'm, I'm glad about with, with this church is that, you know, we don't just divide up the people by ages uh, in the two services. Uh, you know, it's not like, you know, 9, nine o'clock is 50 and older, and then 1045 is 50 and younger. Um, we have young families that attend 9 o'clock worship. For whatever reason that is, that's what they go to. And we have senior citizens, some even 79, at the uh, 1045 Contemporary Service. And, you know, I see three-generation families here uh, quite often, just like when I was a kid. One of the biggest challenges, though, is how do we have kids in worship? 
That's not easy, is it? For those of you parents with little squirmers, not easy. We know that in churches uh, where children and students have their own separate programming on Sunday morning all the way through high school, it's really easy for those people to drop, those young people to drop out after high school because they've never been in an adult community family level worship experience. Um, now, what we do here at Faith Westwood may not be perfect, but we do it intentionally. We ask parents to bring their children into the first part of worship. And uh, during most of the school year, you know, the children's time is right after the first song, they go off. Sometimes we have them stay to witness a baptism. Um, during the summer months, though, which we're in now and through Labor Day, um, the children's time and dismissal happens a little later in the service. So like today, before Sunday school, they were here for three or four songs. Sometimes parents keep their, their kids with here just in worship once in a while. And now, um, there are a few Sundays every year, like next Sunday, where the children stay with us the entire hour. No Sunday school. And, um, you know, occasionally we want them to experience being here with us, even if the message isn't geared directly for them. And, you know, I don't know, my, how you kind of manage that as parents with, with your little kids, you know. For my mom, it was always lifesavers, you know. <laughs> here, suck on this for a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, on Wednesday, at, I went to the opening uh, thing of student ministry, and uh, we had a new group of sixth graders at midweek. And that means on Sunday mornings, they no longer have Sunday school for that age. They, are, they begin here in worship with the rest of us. Uh, but the way I see it is we, we can't wait any longer to make that change and to help them make that change. It's an adjustment, I know. But we have to bring them into the worship of the entire church family or they're going to be more likely to drop out later. A generational church brings people of all ages in worship together. You agree with that? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, while the rest of the world wants to chop us up and divide us into marketing segments, you have something completely different. And you give us a vision of bringing the generations together. You have given knowledge and wisdom to the older. You have given energy and optimism to the younger. Show us how to be family for one another, to value each other, to enjoy each other. Lord, give us hearts to adopt one another as family in the Lord. And we thank you for this generational church. May it be a foretaste of your future kingdom. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand.